Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now. Take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. Take it from the Iron Woman, only special guests. And today is really a special moment. Brandy, Heather and I, we started out with a podcasting fellowship. It was called then at that time in August of 2019. And the episodes that you can follow, it's episode three and four, actually came out October 28. Now we're four years later, almost exactly to today. Brandy, it's so, so happy to have you here. Tell us what has happened since 2019. It feels like yesterday, but I have been following you. Amazing stuff has been happening. I was just saying how magical that that time was for us. And it does feel like yesterday because we were all, as that group, we were so inspired to get things done and to have our voices heard and to learn how to do that. I often say that that was the beginning of, of really getting to share my voice. And so since 2019, I have been sharing that voice a lot. The voice hasn't changed, but how I deliver it and who hears it and who connects with it, that's been a big change for me. Going from teaching in a college professor role to being in business and now just being in business myself, just alone, kind of solopreneur, that has changed for me. The basis of what I do hasn't changed, which is that I really do believe fundamentally that when we return to play, when we get to a place where we can be courageous and creative and feel really capable that we are in play and the best moments for inclusion and connection and employee engagement and retention, all of those things come when we really understand how people play. And, and so that hasn't changed for me over four years, just the way that it is in the world now. From my book mm -hmm. to my website to, to keynotes and all of those pieces. Obviously, when we go on the website, everything looks glamorous and easy. <laughs> Tell us the real yes. story okay. <laughs> behind the website. Yeah. <laughs> One of the talks I do, I talk about our show home lives. And the website is our show home life. Social media is often our show home life. It's the one that looks really beautiful on the outside and is hard to maintain, like stainless steel appliances and trying to keep <laughs> them without fingerprints. But the journey has been certainly trying to keep up a fixer upper while producing this show home on the outside. When I was teaching, I certainly had moments. I'm a woman living with mental illness. So for me, the show home, recognizing the show home is really important. So when I'm trying too hard to make sure that everything looks perfect, I'm often paddling in that kind of fixer-upper space. I have to be really cognizant of that. And I share that with lots of people, being cognizant of those moments when we're working so hard to provide appearances that we forget 
ourselves and we lose ourselves. And I think as caring professionals, we can often dig into so many things that make us focus on other people and caring for other people and taking care of other people, but forgetting to care for ourselves. And and so when you say the website looks great and all of those pieces, you know, that website started as me hoping that I could fill in a few boxes and some photos from my phone and so I think people forget that that that's where it started, that it started with bank accounts full of nothing and and no financial support and bootstrapping every moment and losing a lot to be able to go forward. A lot of what I talk about is the real stuff. It's the real stuff. It's the days when the website looks pretty and your social looks great, but you feel terrible. When you say what's the real story, the real story for me is is often loss that got me to a place where I could create again. And I know it. I know when I'm not what I call in play. I know it clearly, yet trying to make sure that other people feel it. So we have to balance those two things always. You came from being a teacher going into the business. And we all know as a solo entrepreneur, we have so many hats. We have to do the accounting, the financing, the website, the scheduling, the clients and the publisher. and you name it, do it. Yeah, we do it. Some days I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast and yourself, you're like, I don't know how I did that. Like sometimes we look back and, and we think, oh my goodness, I had no idea how I did that. Because there have been times where I thought I could never do it. And so many times when I thought this isn't worth it, I reflect often when I go back. And even now when it looks pretty and things are going my way and that feels all good, there are lots of days where I think, oh my goodness, just to go back and get work, like steady paycheck and benefits, like all those things came from having a steady job and having a title. When people ask, what do you do for a living? I'm a professional speaker and I speak on the science of play. It took me a long time to say that. For a long time, I had what I thought was a very prestigious title. I got to say I was you know, a college professor. So I always knew how to fill in the blank. And over the past four years, I've been learning to fill in the blank a lot. Those conversations are getting easier, but having the confidence to be able to say what you really do, I still work on that. Well, that's very honest. Thank you for sharing. And yeah. I think we're all looking for that. So now your book is Return to Play. Again, it sounds so simple, but there is such a huge amount of work behind it, talking about yourself, going through all the ups and downs. This is not easy. It's not easy. And I hope that I say it often that finding your play and finding the things that make you feel motivated and joy is like climbing a mountain. It's not instant. And I can tell you from personal experience, one that I share often, which is that in 2009, I was struggling hugely with my mental health and having lived my whole life with major depression. And in 2009, I was trying to uphold getting tenure as a college professor and, and kids and struggling hugely while trying to put on that face every day of learning and maintaining that kind of show home appearance of college professor and, and learner. And eventually, I wouldn't be able to do that. And I talk about it in my book a little bit, but I talk about it lots now about the fact that trying to keep that up every day and also living with, with mental illness that combination and trying to kind of be perfect all the time and keep up that appearance 
eventually I, I wouldn't be able to do that anymore. And eventually it would land me in a place where a long, kind of a long-term unexpected stay in hospital. And for me, in that odd place when I felt like I, you know, had certainly hit the bottom of my life, that's actually where I found play again. Mm-hmm. As much as anyone, I know that in the hardest times of our life, if we can find that little thing, and that little thing for me was returning to something that I was really good at, which was a little bit of art and a little bit of joy in not that perfect art. So I tell a story that is really about the fact that I was allowed to go to kind of the art room when I was in hospital, that I walked down to the art room and I thought, well, this is this is where I'll be able to show everyone that I'm okay because because I'm an artist. So I'll be able to show everyone that I'm very capable. I can kind of show show off a little bit. And and when I got in there, I went and it was just ceramic sculptures that we were painting. I thought, oh my goodness, this is an art. This is like mm-hmm. paint by number. I picked the hardest thing I could possibly do. And I tried to control every brushstroke and make it so perfect. And when it came back, I just remember thinking this was, it was ordinary. And I'd worked really hard to make it perfect. And I realized, wow, I'd been spending a lot of my life trying to make things look perfect, like trying to control every color and shade and, and all of those things. And it took me about two weeks to go back there. But during that time, I spoke to so many people who were patients at this same hospital, hearing about caring professionals from teachers to psychiatric nurses to psychiatrists and doctors who were there who were also hiding in this kind of show home space where they were trying to look perfect on one side, but in combination with lots of health factors, they just couldn't do it anymore. And so many people were hiding in this space. And, and I realized, wow, uh, we have to take a look at our expectations for ourselves and our expectations of the work that we do. And about two weeks later, I was able to go back to that art room and I took something off the, the shelf that was random and, and playful that I would have never picked before was this, this odd ceramic frog. And I picked it off the shelf and I went back and I took colors with no labels and I took hundreds of kind of colors and paint brushes and I splashed this frog full of color with no control. When it came back, I realized, wow, in that moment when I just kind of let loose and let all like not to worry too much about the colors or what it looked like. All of a sudden, I found a little bit of joy. And I realized when it came back, it was colorful, to say the least. (laughs) I realized, wow, there is a piece of me here that gets lost in that show home. Like a huge piece of me that I can't be creative and I can't do those things. And, And that sometimes we need to let go of a little bit of that. And it's not just perfectionist. It's our expectations of ourselves. And as caring professionals, making sure that everyone around us is good. We spend a lot of time in that. How can we find that little bit of play? For lots of people, they would say work is not play. Like it can't be play. It's so serious what we do. But play is the foundation of how we talk to other people and connect. And it's the foundation of inclusion. It's the foundation of how we feel pride. It is all of those things. And so I think people think it's just play and that often I just talk about play, but I talk about it from a place of being really having lived it, and also understanding the deep science of it as a therapeutic play specialist. In four years, I've been able to share more of that story so that women, lots of women, 
have been able to say, oh my goodness, I also live with this. I'm also a caring practitioner. I also experience this and I haven't played for so long that it scares them when I say it. It scares them. I don't know how many people have said to me, oh my goodness, I had no idea that I hadn't played. I just, I hadn't played in so long. And people would say, well, play is purposeless, but it's actually not. It's like oxygen. If a place where people can't play or they're scared to play, the effect of play, how important it is. So often it's the thing that we don't notice, but we need it. We're actually driven by it. Not just kids. And I love your story. I picked up the word ordinary. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like that fitting in ordinary make-believe. But maybe at that point, it was a dark point in your life. It made you realize this is not me anymore. And now me seeing you four years later, you just got out of this shell or this prison or whatever we want to call yes. it. And you're Absolutely. playing and we talk about flow or play, play, as you said, they think, oh, it's for children, but we all need to play when we're in a team, we have to play. And especially these days, I see with leaders, you need to be more humane. You need to ask the people, how are you doing? How's your family? Especially to the pandemic. Yes. It's so important. And people, I don't have time. Let's look at the results. I'm like, no, no, no. The results can wait. And I think during the pandemic, we played less. It's not even just a statement. It's a fact, it's a scientific mm -hmm. fact that when we're scared, we play less. We risk less. We connect less. Mm -hmm. We keep ourselves safe. And when we do that, we actually don't play. Even that flow state doesn't come easy when we are scared. Mm -hmm. We can't, we can't find it there. I often ask people to really take a look at what scares them about saying that part of what they do at work is in play. And people would say, well, we can make 15 minutes for it. Like at lunchtime, maybe we'll have a foosball table or a, we'll have a, a tournament of some kind. That's not the play I'm talking about. The play I'm talking about is the thing that if you really looked at it, and this is a question I ask lots of people, when was the last time you did something so good that you lost track of time? Right? It, it was so good that you lost track of time. You didn't care who was watching or what was happening. You were fully enraptured by that moment. If I take the word play off of it, many people can imagine the last time they did that. But for many people, that hasn't been since they were kids, that they felt so good that they lost track of time. And during the pandemic, people struggled to find. It doesn't matter if you call it joy or happiness or flow, people struggled to find it. One of the things that we really have to look at is kind of the shame that gets attached to playing at work or being able to play at work. And so part of that bias is that play is not attached to, in our minds, is not attached to professionalism or organized organization. And actually, for many people, their play, the thing that makes them feel truly motivated are things that are very organized and very structured. It's not always chaos. And, and those that diversity is actually what's happening in our workplaces right now. We're letting people kind of really explore their diverse talents. If we really ask the questions around what makes them feel included, being creative, and what are the things that give them their greatest pride, oftentimes it's connected to the things in those moments where we are doing something in our work that felt so good that we lost track of time. And caring professionals tell me all the time, what is that thing? It's the kids. It's my clients. It's my patients. 
it's the moment when someone discovers something about themselves that they didn't know. Those are the moments that are so good for me. And so I help people to kind of lean into what that feels like and how to find that more often in their workspaces. It's making a difference when people who often are very structured in their work find a moment in a keynote or a workshop where they realize, oh my goodness, this is hugely who I am. And sometimes I'm not sharing it because I'm so afraid to not be seen as anything except perfect and professional. Always my favorite question is, what do you do when you don't work? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do when I don't work? Well, as a therapeutic play specialist, people often ask, what's your play? What I do when I'm not working is I spend a lot of time outside. It's a huge play space for me. Even for me, music is a huge part of my place. When I can just put on my headphones and go for a walk and sing at the top of my lungs, we have a, a space by my house that's a construction site, so no one can see me there. And, and I can sing at the top of my lungs. You'll often see me in play outside of work doing that. People, I think people assume that professional speakers and people who speak for a living are very extroverted, but my play is very quiet. It's often on my own. I love reading. I love just enjoying being in nature. My play often outside of work is very quiet. At one point, you need to rejuvenate so you can yeah. share the play. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into Return to Play and what has happened in the four years. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Good luck to you as well. When are you playing? When was the last time you're playing and you forgot about time? Take it from the Iron Woman. We have episodes every Monday. Learn with people, learn from people. And also take it from the Iron Woman is the book Global Business Coaching with Sports Parallels. Download it for yourself. Give it to somebody else or buy it in your local bookstore. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.